Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hashtag Houston HealthCast, the podcast powered by Houston HealthCare as part of our Hashtag Houston Healthy initiative. My guests and I are here to provide healthcare advice, news, and updates to help provide the people of Houston County, Georgia, and beyond live a more Hashtag Houston Healthy lifestyle. Today, our topic is flu season, what to expect this year, what illnesses to be on the lookout for, and how you can best protect yourself against them. With me today is Dr. Jacinta Tran. She is an urgent care physician uh, that works at our med stops and urgent care facilities here at Houston Healthcare. How are you doing today, Dr. Good. Tran? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast with me today. My pleasure. <laughs> uh, so uh, before we get too far into the topic at hand, I usually like to ask my guests a little bit about themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so how long have you been a practicing physician? A uh, practicing physician... I started residency back in 2017, graduated here at the Family Medicine Residency Program at Houston Healthcare, um, and then started working in 2020 till now. Okay. Yes. So you've been with us since 2020? Since, with the MedStop, yes. With the MedStop, mm-hmm. okay. Um, so what inspired you to become a doctor? Oh, gosh, a lot of things, but really, it's really just taking care of people. I feel like when um, you're sick, you're so vulnerable, there's a lot of things you don't understand on your illness and really you just want to get better. And I think one of the main things that I'd like to do is to be able to explain to my patients what is going on, how to help them just understand what their illness. Um, And it's just really helping those in need at the most vulnerable times in their lives. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that's such an important thing that we do is when, um, when you're in healthcare, a lot of the times you are the person that people meet on their worst day. Mm. Um, so were there any major influences in your life, any, any people or any, maybe an event that made you say, I want to be a doctor? Oh gosh. Um, well, I remember my, um, uncle, he's a pharmacist. And at that time, my oldest uncle, he was the only healthcare related Mm -hmm. person in the family and all my aunts and uncles, my parents would just go to him for all these questions. Um, and you know, he was someone that we just went to whenever we didn't know what was going on when we were sick. Um, but it, there was a time after high school when I graduated, we were, um, my sister and I were in a car accident. Oh. Um, it was in Canada and, uh, the driver fell asleep mm-hmm. and, um, the car spun. We were both ejected from the car. Mm-hmm. Somehow, miraculously, I came out unscathed. Um, uh, my sister, on the other hand, she broke some ribs, broke her, she was in the ICU. Um, but it was doctors during that time. I mean, right. all the healthcare personnel, not just doctors, nurses, everyone that we just felt very blessed. They were the angels during that time. Right. My sister's well now. We're all well. Everyone is well. So, good. But good. it was quite a time. My life so worked. seeing those doctors work. Yes. Really, uh-huh. It was really the ones that we needed, the ones that treated us with great care. They explained to us they really were the angels at that time. Wow. That's yeah. a great story. Thank mm-hmm. you for sharing that. Um, so let's, uh, let's talk a little bit um, about... Urgent care, what drew you to urgent care as a specialization? Urgent care, urgent care apart from, so I am family medicine trained. Okay. Urgent care, the difference is that everyone coming into the urgent care, they are sick. Mm -hmm. At the primary care, people come in, they could be well, they're needing refills on their medications. You know, some are sick coming in too, but urgent care is different because they are vulnerable at that time too. They're not feeling well, they can't reach their primary care doctor. And they come in and it's nice to be able to treat them at that time at the goal of helping them, make yeah. them feel better. That's a great answer. 
Um, and I know that they all appreciate your help. I know that you. <laughs> it gets busy there. <laughs> I, I bet it does. I bet it does. Yeah. Um, now, on to the topic at hand. And I'm, as I'm sure many of you have noticed, uh, fall finally found us here in Georgia. Um, it is cold outside. The cold has come. And we've already uh, started to see an increase in various respiratory illnesses in the area. Uh, Dr. Tran, um, at around what time would you say flu season really gets started here in Georgia? And uh, when did you start seeing it ramping up this year? Well, prior to COVID, it was usually peaking around the um, the colder months. Um, but then right when COVID came around, and we've kind of almost seen it year round, but it has gotten higher once the school started again. Okay. Um, it's just the nature of right. the kids back in school. Everyone's just around each other. The kids go back home to their parents. Parents go back to work. Um, so we've been seeing a lot of flu cases and right. it's, we're expecting it probably to be even higher as the warmer, I mean, sorry, the colder. Right. I imagine that schools are, are typical vectors of illness, especially oh, respiratory yes. illnesses. Uh -huh, for sure. <laughs> right. Um, so with that in mind, um, when should we really starting, start taking the precautions against flu? When should we start getting ready to protect ourselves? Definitely now. It's advised okay. now everyone to get their flu shots to protect them against the flu. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so speaking of flu vaccines, when should you start getting a flu vaccine? Uh, like at what point uh, mm -hmm. should a child start getting a flu vaccine? Uh, and how often should you get a flu vaccine? You should get the flex flu vaccine once a year. Um, and it's recommended for children at least six months and older recommended to just go ahead and get that flu vaccine. All right. Um and uh, for older individuals, I believe that it is suggested that they get a higher dose of vaccine. Yes, the old, by older individuals greater than 65 years old. Okay. Um, and that's just because the older individuals tend to have more comorbidities, meaning they have lung conditions. Their immune system may be a little weaker, but lung conditions, heart conditions. Um, and the, if they were to catch the flu, it could be a little bit more critical or severe. And so it is recommended they get kind of a higher dose for better immunity. So at, at age 65, that's when that's recommended. Right, yeah. Okay. Um, where can I typically get a flu vaccine, especially if I don't necessarily have a primary care physician? You can. It's usually offered at our, um, you know, the drugstore, CVS, um, Publix, Kroger, any of the pharmacies, usually they offer the flu vaccine. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so what are some of the warning signs or symptoms that I might have that will let me know that I have the flu? Typically, um, you are, a lot of people say, I feel like I've been hit by a bus. That's what it feels like. You get these body aches. Um, you just, you have the fever. There's a fever, body aches, and then you can have some respiratory symptoms like a sore throat, runny nose, cough, but it's mainly the fever, the chills, the body aches, and you just feel like you just can't get out of bed. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, so, and I want to say all individuals are different. And if you are feeling unwell, you should see a physician as soon as you are able so that they can treat you for your particular uh, illness and disease state. Um, but for those of our listeners out there who might be feeling some of the symptoms that, that you discussed, um, what would be the typical treatment um, or the typical prognosis for someone with the flu that you would see? Well, it does um, vary from each individual. When If you are very young, um, under age five or older above 65, it could get a little serious. And then it could be anywhere in between from just a little runny nose or a cough. 
Uh, so the symptoms definitely vary. Um, sorry, your question was, oh, how treatment. Yeah. So viruses aren't living things. Um, they can get you sick, but no antibiotics are needed. Some people, that's a lot of things people question. They feel like they need an antibiotic for a viral illness. Um, but viruses, for the most part, you just let it take on its course. Mm -hmm. um, symptoms could last about two to five days, um, but the illness can last maybe a week or so. But usually the treatment is to treat the symptoms. There's sure. a lot of over-the-counter medications help with cough, cold. If you're having a headache or fever, take Tylenol, ibuprofen. There's Dayquil, NyQuil, Alka-Seltzer. There's so much. And those should suffice. Um, main thing is to stay hydrated, um, keep your body well-rested. And that's what keeps your immune system up at its 100%. Right. That's what you want, to optimize your immune system and just let it pass. Um, but... There is an antiviral treatment. Um, Tamiflu is the mm -hmm. common, the training. That it, and it's uh, best if taken within the first 48 hours of okay. symptoms. And that is something that can be taken to help um, kind of shorten the duration of symptoms. And that can help. But it's not something that is necessary. It can just pass on its own. Right. Yeah. So if we're past that 48-hour mark, then it's really about treating the symptoms. Correct. Like yeah. After okay. the 48-hour mark, the Tamiflu, the antiviral treatment is just not really useful anymore. Okay. Um, so moving on, there, you know, there isn't just one disease during flu season that, that takes precedence. Uh, I think there's three in total that the CDC kind of talks about a mm -hmm. lot. Um, that's, you know, influenza, that's mm -hmm. COVID now, um, and that is RSV. Um, to talk about COVID, no one wants to talk about COVID. Uh, <laughs> I certainly don't. I think I talked till I was blue in the face in 2020 <laughs> about COVID. Uh, but the truth of the matter is that COVID is still around. Mm -hmm. And much like the flu, it's coming back and it's got different variants, uh, things that are uh, allowing it to continue to be something that we have to deal with um, on a daily basis. So, um, it's something that's hard not to talk about when you discuss seasonal respiratory illnesses. Mm -hmm. uh, can you speak on what you think the role of COVID will continue to have in both this flu season as well as future flu seasons? Well, you are right. We COVID is still around. Doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. Uh, we've learned of COVID ever since, you know, 2019, 20. And the symptoms of COVID have kind of changed a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's not, does, you know, at the urgent care, we get a lot of COVID cases and just like flu, ever since school has started in session, we're still getting a lot of COVID and flu cases, but the symptoms of COVID we've seen has been milder. Mm -hmm. um, a, a majority of those coming in with COVID, because with COVID, we're afraid of how much it can get to your lungs. Right. Um, and it's great that now a lot of our COVID cases, everyone's oxygenation is pretty adequate. Just breathing on room air is adequate. Their lung sounds clear. Um, but COVID is something that's becoming very similar to the flu. You know, you feel sick with it. It doesn't feel great. Um, not as fearful as it was in the past in terms of being hospitalized. But the same goes for the flu. There are some serious flu cases. There are some serious COVID cases. Mm -hmm. Um, but it seems to be kind of similar with each other as of now. Right. Um, and based on, you know, what we know about the newest variant that kind of lines up. Um, so per the CDC, the current variant of COVID that's most on the rise or most prevalent um, in America, at the very least, is called EG5. That's EG.5 um, or ARIS, uh, the ARIS variant. 
And from what I understand, it's an Omicron subvariant. Um, so it actually has a spike protein. This is all from the CDC. Mm -hmm. uh, it has a, a mutation in its spike protein, which is, um, from what I understand, the uh, device on the, well, not the device, but the mechanism by which the uh, virus uh, affects a cell um, that makes it capable of evading some of the immunity gained from previous boosters and infections. Um, so, you know, are there any unusual symptoms that you've seen with COVID this year at all with the, with, with, you know, the new rise in it or, or anything like that? Um, not unusual symptoms, but with the different variants we've noted, you know, in the past we had Omicron, the Delta variant, there's been some predominant symptoms mm -hmm. in the past. Um, it, there were some predominant symptoms with the, I believe the Delta variant with um, sinus uh, allergy. I forget which variant, but you know the in the past, some there was a time where the dominant um, symptoms were the sinus pressure, sneezing. It was very allergy-like, mm -hmm. um, and then like the pressure behind the eyes. But now I've noticed that a lot of our um, patients who tested positive for COVID, they came come in with a sore throat. Hmm. I'll kind of it starts off with that. They all start with, well, it started with a little scratchy throat mm -hmm. and then it kind of leads on to like sinus drainage and things like that. But we've been seeing a lot of sore throats lately. At least I have seen that. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, and there's not a lot of information out at this point about EG5. That's kind of the nature of the beast. A new variant comes around and, and scientists are working to figure out exactly what it is and how it works. Um, but you know, right. it's new. Take, we're all learning. Too. Right. <laughs> we just uh, kind of noticed the trend, but we're all learning. Right. Yeah. But those trends that you see and you talk about, you, you kind of build it. So, you know, it seems at this point that it's pretty mild. Um, at least this year's, uh, you know, kind of wave has been pretty mild. So, um, obviously, uh, because that EG5 has that spike protein that makes it capable of evading some of previous immunities you might have, um, the CDC is suggesting that you get the newest uh, COVID vaccine or booster. Um, do you know if there's a difference in the COVID vaccine and a COVID booster? Because both are used interchangeably. The COVID vaccine is the, the what you would call the original vaccine that you get that mm -hmm. brings your, what a vaccine does is gives a little dose to your body to allow yourself to recognize mm -hmm. the illness or COVID in this case. And so what your immune system does is when it is exposed to an infection, it knows to bring up, um, I guess you can call it army cells, which is the antibodies that can fight against an illness. And so your body builds up that immunity or memory to know that, okay, it's ready that when it is ex exposed to COVID, it can fight against it. And so through time that can maybe I don't know if fade is the right word, but a booster just kind of gives another amount to okay. bring it up again, just to kind of tell your body, don't forget that right. if you recognize COVID, you're going to fight against COVID. Right. Yeah. So, so, uh, you know, if you've never had the COVID vaccine before, you want to get it now, you would get the COVID vaccine. If you've had the COVID vaccine before, but you need a one-up, that's the booster. Right. Right. Um, so again, I want to say everybody is different if you're not feeling well. Please seek out a physician for a diagnosis so that you receive the treatment that you need. That said, uh, Dr. Tran, what can someone... Oh, well, I do need to kind of clarify oh, the sure. booster. The vaccine, the booster is the same thing. Okay. It's just, a you call it a booster when okay. you've already had the vaccine. Understood. Yeah. Understood. And so the booster is just basically telling your body to not forget to remember. Right. That, yeah. Right. So they're both vaccines. They just 
Yeah, you just you wouldn't call it a booster when you've gotten it for the first gotcha. time. Gotcha. There you gotcha. Go. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Um, so back, you know, uh, that said, Dr. Tran, what can someone typically expect um, in terms of prognosis and treatment uh, for COVID if they come into see you and they're uh, diagnosed with COVID? Uh, prognosis and treatment. Well, like I said, it's it's different for mm-hmm. everybody. Um, you know, the reason why we are afraid of COVID is because we've seen that it can kill. Um, that's that same, the same thing goes for the flu as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess you can say the majority, um, for just a middle-aged individual with not any major health conditions, you would expect just feeling like you want to stay in bed for the first couple of days. You'll have a fever, a lack of appetite. You're just not feeling well, but expect it to last about two to five days. And then you'll start to pick up again. And then you're expected to just recover. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about the third major illness in flu season. It's not one that's talked about a lot. Um, RSV or respiratory syncytial virus. Um, what is RSV? How common is it? And uh, who does it affect the most? So RSV is yet another virus, just like COVID and flu are viruses and viruses, again, are not living things. Um, But RSV has been known for a while. A lot of adults may not hear about as much because it is a pediatric um, viral illness. And the reason why adults don't really get it is because we are immune to it. We're probably exposed to it and we're not sick to it because we are so fully immune to it. It doesn't really hit us that like that. Um, but it is a pediatric virus and the, um, concern when it comes to RSV, because when it comes to sickness in general, when you get your cold, that is due to the common cold virus. There's a lot of viruses out there. You get sick for a few days with runny nose and cough. Um, and so RSV is just another respiratory virus, but what is, um, concerning about RSV is that has the ability to affect your lower respiratory tract. And when you get down to the lower respiratory tract, that can lead to lung complications where it compromises your breathing. Mm. Um, So when young children have RSV, it could present something as small as just a cough, but it could get severe to the point where their oxygenation is compromised. They're needing to be hospitalized, needing uh, extra oxygenation. Mm. um, And that is the main concern when it comes to contracting RSV. So um, it it affects mostly uh, children. Um, So they're the ones that would normally be vaccinated against RSV? There is a vaccine Mm -hmm. now and it is new. Okay. Yeah, this is new. And I actually just learned about it and I think it's available. I'm not sure who all is available. I know it's available for, it can be offered to some pregnant women. I know I read that. Um, I'm not sure who, I know it's new though. Okay. Um, but yes, that would be recommended for young children. Okay. Um, so how, what would someone, you know, they have a child come in that might present as a cough. Mm-hmm. Um, what would be the process of uh, ruling out or diagnosing RSV? Um, so we do have a lot of young children come in and generally maybe age seven or less is when we look more into this may be RSV. Cause like I said, it's mainly a pediatric illness. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, what I do with a cough, you listen to their lungs. A lot of times their parents, um, their main concern is that their breathing is a little off, just really cold symptoms like, uh, any other concern for any, um, sorry, respiratory illness. Sure. Um, 
but listening to their lungs, looking at their oxygenation when it's kind of, when the lungs don't sound as clear and the oxygenation's down, definitely RSV is on the a suspicion for RSV. And so you can get tested okay. with a nasal swab for RSV. Okay. Um, what is the typical treatment plan and prognosis for RSV? Similar to what we've talked about with the other two. Yeah. So um, just like the other two, treatment is really what we call supportive treatment. So it's just medications to help with your symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, so with cough or runny nose, you just treat with over-the-counter things. Um, and you, for little kids, they, because of how young they are, sometimes they're limited to certain medications out there. Like mm-hmm. cough medications aren't recommended for children younger than six. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you know, keep them hydrated, fully rested, sleep with a humidifier that can help too. Use um, a nasal suction bowl that helps kind of take out the drainage. Some with RSV. And so a lot of RSV that is mild supportive care. Um, but when it comes to more severe cases where, like I said, the oxygenation is compromised, they do need to be hospitalized. And usually it's still supportive care there, but they do get extra oxygenation until it kind of passes. Okay. Um, now we've covered the basics of the diseases, kind of gone over the the general idea of them. Uh, I want to address some common questions that we hear a lot at Houston Healthcare. Uh, so maybe we can provide some illuminating information here that will perhaps help our community better understand how to protect themselves and what to do if they find themselves in any of the situations we'll discuss dealing with one of these illnesses during this flu season. So Dr. Tran, is um, is the flu vaccine going to increase my risk of contracting COVID um, and vice versa? Does a COVID vaccine increase my risk to contract flu? No, the vaccines do not increase your risk of contracting any other virus. Um, You risk contracting viruses by the way viruses are transmitted, uh, which is from person to person through their respiratory droplets in terms of the flu. Um, You know, you cough, sneeze, and the the wet droplets, that's how other people get it. And so that's why it's always emphasized, wash your hands um, or, you know, cover your mouth. And that's why masking, that was always recommended. Mm -hmm. But COVID... Um, is airborne. That's how it's transmitted. And so you want to wear a mask. That's how masking helped kind of prevent COVID a little bit. Okay. Um, So if I suspect that I am confirmed to have flu or COVID, should I get a vaccine for either while I still feel sick or should I wait? You should wait. At that time when you are sick, your immune system is trying to fight the illness. Um, You would want to wait at least two weeks after you're feeling better to get the vaccine. Okay. Um, Is it possible to have both flu and COVID at the same time? And if so, how often do you see that? It is possible. It's two different viruses that can infect. And we actually do get that a lot. Okay. Um, There are times we see they test positive for COVID and flu. We do see that a lot. Okay. Um, You may not be able to differentiate the symptoms, though. They could be coming in with runny nose, cough, body aches, fever. And I wouldn't be able to say, okay, your fever was due to the flu or your cough was due to COVID. You just wouldn't know. They are Mm -hmm. very similar in symptoms, but it is possible to catch both. So it, it might not be possible for you to differentiate just from symptoms alone. So... Um, normally you would do a test, right? Right. To see which one you have. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are over-the-counter tests for both flu and COVID. Um, Where can we obtain those? You can get it at the, any pharmacy store. Okay. Yeah. Um, So is it true? This is a common, I don't know if it's a myth or if it's just common knowledge. Um, Maybe you can illuminate that for me. Is it true that if I'm confirmed to have contracted one of these illnesses and I recover from it, I no longer need to get the vaccine for the illness that year. 
that is not true. Um, you can develop the illness again. Once you get an illness, your body does develop some immunity to it. Yes. And so generally, I think the CDC actually recommends um, you have immunity for about three months. Okay. Um, I don't know if I'm correct. I, I, it was, I don't know if it's changed through research, but I know as of last year it was. Um, and so because we do have a lot of patients that come in. And they are concerned for COVID again within maybe a month. Mm -hmm. um, and we just don't recommend testing again because you should theoretically already be immune. So mm -hmm. you, you have some immunity at that time. But just as the same reason why we get boosters, your immunity can kind of go down a little bit. So you can get COVID again. Right. Mm -hmm. So that means go out and get your vaccines, everybody. <laughs> um, so Dr. Tran, I'd like to thank you for being with me today and uh, sharing your extensive knowledge uh, with us. Um, and I'd like to thank everyone out there for listening. I hope you found this as helpful, informative, and entertaining as it was to record it. Uh, please make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We post there before anywhere else, and all the links to our other podcast channels are available in the description of the YouTube videos. Uh, if you prefer to listen using a different podcast medium, be sure to follow us there as well. We have some great episodes coming up. Our next one actually will take us a little bit out of the realm of healthcare uh, to discuss another important topic um, as to the safety and well-being of our community. Uh, cybersecurity, uh, phishing, vishing, uh, smishing, all sorts of names. Um, and we'll have uh, Siggy uh, Tete uh, will be on. He's our uh, chief information officer to discuss that. Uh, so make sure you hit the notification bell so you never miss an episode. And I hope everyone out there in Houston County, Georgia, or wherever you happen to be listening in from has a great rest of your day. And remember to stay hashtag Houston healthy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.